I, I, I don't know if it was yep or no because you're muted. Twat. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the first time faggoter. With tools? <laughs> Robin Hood? Yeah. <laughs> Spiderman. It's, it's been a while. Uh, speaking of which, gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? What's everyone up to? Brett, you go first. Al's drinking. Oh, that's usually not the way things go. Anyway, it's been, what, two weeks since we've chatted? At least. And... I feel like I've made a decent amount of progress on um, the odds and ends around the house or the cabin, as well as finishing the symbol sync project. I posted a little video about that the other day on Instagram and then finalized the edit and put it live this morning. I'm getting a lot of people in the comments section just saying, like, what a neat idea, which I think rarely happens. For most of the projects that I put up, it's a lot of cool project or like, well done, nice video, all that kind of thing. But it's when you do a project or, or a test run at something where someone genuinely says, that's a neat idea. Yeah. That usually means like, I've never seen it before, or it's something a little bit more unique than what I've typically made, which is kind of what I was aiming for. I thought of the, the idea of using this bronze you know, cheap symbol because it was already kind of basin shaped. And then after just loads of hammering, which Steve, I have to give you a big thanks. The annealing made a huge difference. The fact that I I didn't tear it <laughs> or crack it or anything at any point, which was uh, fantastic. Other little side note for anybody that listens to this, I'm starting to find more and more uses for a garden torch, like the propane garden torch for burning out weeds. I purchased that thing to make the deck a couple of months ago, and now I've used it a ton because I am someone who works with heat on a regular basis. But it turns out this torch is so a utility tool. Like uh, I posted the photo, I was brassing some wheel hubs yeah, for a project that Ben's working on. And we were using like the little propane torches, you know, that we always use in the shop and just for the life of us, could not get it hot enough to actually lay the brass down. Brought the garden torch over, no problem. Fantastic little piece of kit for a very affordable price. Love that thing. Anyhow, I am in the midst of working on the rest of the vanity or the cabinetry that would go underneath the sink. It's shown a little bit right at the very end of the video. I just, it's this, you know, blackened cedar top thing and I don't know about you boys, but it's been so long since I've had to do anything that's like a little bit more traditional utility build. Like this is a cabinet that just goes under the sink. There has to be plumbing run within it. So I have to have space for that. And it's it's literally just meant to hold a few things, you yeah. know, cleaning supplies and toilet paper and whatnot. But <laughs> like it's taken me so long to go, oh, my God, I have to measure like pieces of wood and cut things down and sand. I hate sanding. Sanding is worse. <laughs> I'd use the planer the other day to, uh, or the thicknesser. And it's, it's just really strange. And you start thinking about things like hinges. You're like, well, I guess I could go buy some hinges. I don't really want to do that though. Oh, well then I have to figure out how to make four very similar hinges so that the doors don't open or catch or do anything weird. Yeah. All, all these little things that, Actual woodworkers or people that make 
you know, usable um, pieces of furniture. Uh, it's kind of eluded me, I guess, in the past, or it's just been so long that I'm getting frustrated going, oh, I forgot to measure the wall again. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Um, forging just seems a little bit easier because it's one and done. As for everything else, um, I went and saw the Andrew Schultz show the other night. We nice. had an invitation. Um, that was pretty pretty fun. I've never stood backstage during a comedy show and mm. been able to almost hear most of the jokes land. But <laughs> like the way the PA system was set up, I couldn't quite make out most of it. It was a fun little adventure. I really enjoyed getting to do just a new little experience to see downtown LA and go to this Orpheum Theater that was, oh, beautiful old architecture, old by LA standards. Yeah. Besides that, getting shit done. Uh, nice. I feel like it's been a productive couple of weeks, but nothing, nothing huge of note. Still waiting on electrical things for the cabin, blah, blah, blah. What about <laughs> everybody else, though? Nice. I mean, you didn't even mention smushing up eggy eggs in a bag. Ah! <laughs> okay. That's an episode in science, itself. Science, right. Science mm. taking over. I wanted to see, I, I, I don't know if you guys were um, kind of following along, but even with the hand-hammered look, it wasn't near as clean and polished as, say, the coffee scoops that you guys make, Steve. And so much of that is because you actually have, like, a, is that raising... When you do it over the ball at the end and kind of do the planishing, I don't, no, because no, uh, no raising's a, a whole different thing. All right, that you you do from the inside, not the outside. <laughs> okay, well, with all of the different um, hammer strikes and and textures that were on it, it was just too clean, and it was sitting in that weird middle ground where, of course, you could tell that it was handmade and hand hammered, mm. but it wasn't. It wasn't so terribly done that things were like wonky and weird and kind of whimsical. Hmm. So it was, it wasn't too polished to be machine made, but it wasn't so hokey that it was, it was kind of okay to be like weird. So I needed to find something just to give it a little bit more weight, you know, visual weight. So the patina thing came up and I was just searching around on Google and ended up stumbling upon this random guy who is really into watches and customizing his watches and he talks about this process of patina forcing a patina on bronze using hard-boiled egg because of the <laughs> sulfur that's inside of them and so i tried it i got results and i had a couple of people reach out to me uh, when i posted about it and they're like why do you have to hard boil it i couldn't quite figure it out but al I think it's just because you don't want sloppy, runny egg everywhere. Because is there still there's still just sulfur in egg, right? I thought it came from the cooking process, mm. from, <sighs> from the from the oxidization, but I might be wrong. I I mean, I didn't look that far down the rabbit hole, but in my mind, it was just like, oh yeah, this would be a right mess if it was just runny egg everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was really cool, you know. You try some weird little trick based on science and um it really only took a few hours there there was a thing in the article where it's like well you really got to wait for the patina to take it was like i have a day that i can just leave it sit that's not a big deal might have been my favorite part of it aside from the rolling the edge over i rolled the edge over and it didn't split or crack and felt very good about that one little weird detail go on see 
Very quick one. Uh, so obviously, when you crack open an egg, providing it's uh, fresh, it doesn't smell. If you make scrambled eggs, it doesn't smell. When you do hard-boiled eggs, they smell. They smell of sulfur because part of the cooking process um, of making hard-boiled eggs uh, releases sulfur-containing gases. So it is, Ali's right, it is part of the cooking process that oh. creates the sulfury smell, which is why the sulfur in hard-boiled eggs. Well, how much more sense does that make that it doesn't run all over the place and it's, yeah. it's a lot easier to clean up? <laughs> but seriously, um, <clears throat> Sam Riddy, our, our awesome friend Sam Riddy, um, told me that they also have done processes like that on different non-ferrous. And there's genuine reactions that happen with different metals i think um i think i'll definitely give it a try in the future and you can obviously buy um some metal finish or some forced patina finish stuff that has liver of sulfur in it and various other things to create these patinas but as something that you it's not chemical base and hopefully you've got a few eggs sitting around in a plastic bag it was, it was a pretty cool solution nice yeah um yeah, no, I I haven't actually seen the video yet, but I've seen the uh, Instagram posts of the finished article, and it looked fucking great. So yeah, good work, man. Um, Thanks, Al. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, so similar to Brett, I've been making round things with the hole in the middle <laughs> for the first time. Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, so it's donuts. The oh, mm. not, that's that's not a first time. I've made many a donut. Um, although I've never made ring donuts, so touche. Yeah. Um, the so the scout group, where, because we've basically we've set up a new scout group um, from scratch. Yeah, uh, and they get to choose their own theme. So it could be like wildlife, and they could be like the wolves or the pigeons or whatever mm. the slugs. Um, but completely without any influence from me, they picked Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so this 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 scout section is themed Star Wars, um, and each of the different like uh, sections in the group have all got different. So like the stormtroopers and the Ewoks and stuff like that. Um, so next week at scout camp, it's like a Star Wars themed camp. Hmm. So I'm basically this weekend, I've been getting everything ready for the camp next week. So a little. Yoda backpack that the, all the kids can wear so they can do like Jedi training, like a little obstacle course. I've got Amazing. a bunch of like scrap foam and stuff to make. Um, everyone can make their own lightsaber inspired nice. by uh, young Steve. Um, and then I've just finished making a Death Star cornhole board. Oh, so a big round Death Star with the, um, the exhaust port in the middle. And you've got to throw beanbags into it to blow up the Death Star. But the I idea being beanbags. that... How do the beanbags go in? It's only the size of a womp rat. So, but if the so the kids are going to be blindfolded, and they've got to use the force. So, Amazing. yeah. Um, so that was a I've, I've never made one before, and I, I think um, average Joe had just made one as well last week. It's not. It's completely not an English thing, Brett. It's probably second nature to you guys, but I don't think yeah. the cornhole is a particularly. I say I have no idea what cornholing actually is. <laughs> I thought it was something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough. My family on my mom's side has been playing that game. Like my grandfather, the master carpenter that he was, introduced this beanbag throwing mm. game to us when we were very, very young. I, I'd say like 20, 25 years ago. And then once I hit university, 
I started going to a, you know the pubs and yeah, they would yeah. have this cornhole game. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is cornhole? We just called it beanbag bowling. And that also way did. you avoid any kind of weird... <laughs> yeah. what, what the fuck is cornholing, then? It's like, yeah, it's like Skittles, but you just throw a beanbag into a hole. Like curling, okay. I guess. Okay. You get, it's you not like, like curling, there's no brush. Yeah, but you get to like knock them in. So if, like, if one beanbag doesn't go in the hole and just sits on the board... Yeah, with your next shot, you can like be knock it. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's like and you take turns. Yeah, yeah, cool. Shuffle uh, it's kind of like the, um, the the money things that you used to get where you <laughs> drop the two peacoins. Put two pens in. Yeah. yeah, nothing like that. Um, nope. <laughs> yeah, so basically just getting ready for um, camp next nice. week. Wow, that, that sounds, sounds good. Super fun though, and lucky you that they would pick something like Star Wars. Actually, I don't know if you're. A super Star Wars fan. I mean, I am, but like these kids are like ten to twelve, yeah. so they've probably not even seen the originals. Yeah, or care. About are them. they are they just making references to the prequels? Like, is everybody wanting to be Jar Jar? Probably not even the prequels. Probably the sequels. If yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. you got to remember that the prequels are, are old now. Yeah, the prequels are uh, twenty five years old. Yeah, and um, so the. Also, you know, you get your little kind of woggle thing that holds your scarf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna we're gonna make a bunch of them with rope, and then I've got like little a bunch of Ewoks, like Ewok figures, and everyone can just pick their own, and we'll somehow Amazing. find out how to attach them. I was gonna get Lego Star Wars, but they're really expensive. Yeah, they really are. I thought I'd be able to get just like a bag of them on eBay, but no, no, <laughs> no. Any, anything Lego is ridiculously yeah. expensive, and then you couple in Star Wars as well, and the price just goes. <laughs> Um, Speaking but, uh, of Legos, though, yeah, what has Steve been up to? I mean, has he put together the blacksmithing Lego set yet? N- no, I've not <laughs> had chance. Um, uh, that's completely thrown me because I was going to ask Al something. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've not. See, I've, I've had a few people that uh, that messaged um, last week, being like, "Oh, it's really good that you guys have taken a week off. I hope you enjoy your time off and all this." I'm like. No, we, we we took time off because we don't have time. Not <laughs> not not because we were having yeah, I fancy a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it's we. What have I been doing? Uh, we've we've just been really fucking busy. Um, and we it's just lots and lots of of work stuff. Um, some exciting stuff has been happening again. We're we're going back out to Norway now, and for a brief like two days. Uh, there was a uh, talk of me being able to go out to Norway and do the teaching out there, mm-hmm. um, or possibly like me and Al both going out and switching halfway through. Uh, but no, Al's I was hogging it all to himself now. So oh. it's it's just Al going to Norway, and his argument was that basically he can still run the business from Norway. I can't still make pans in Norway, so it was like <laughs> I I can't really argue with that. <laughs> You're not wrong. But... Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, that's happened. Um, we uh, we also did the first um, Hunt and Gatherer Cook versus Alex Hall Ironwork, uh, which was fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, that was it. Was quite nice as well because it's the first time that Jimmy's done any kind of event with us as the Forge. Um, so it was kind of a bit of an eye opener for him as well. Um, and it was quite nice. It was quite a a sedate one in terms of like what we were actually doing because we just we showed how um like i think there was 15 and it wasn't even 15 I think it was 12 um students 
Uh, and it was just showing them how to make skewers and then in the afternoon showing them how to make fire stills whilst Nick was butchering a um a deer and making some fucking incredible food. Um I think each of us probably individually ate an entire deer deer while we were there. Um and uh and it was it was just really fucking it was really nice because although there wasn't much pressure on us to do uh, like huge amounts of work like once we got there and got set up and everything because friday we we worked till about uh three um and then set off and drove up and we got up there about uh eight ish in the evening um so kind of got there unloaded the van set everything up for the next day um and then just cracked open a beer and and nick cooked some uh food and um and yeah it was really nice. and like the food it was literally just like nick going well we've got a fire lit uh let's have a look in the fridge and see what we've got. So it was, it was fun kind of getting him, uh, getting to see him kind of riff in the kitchen a little bit. Um, but yeah, cause it was uh, not like overly intense on, on us in terms of teaching. Um, I did a bit of, um, of like comparing and, and talking through like over the demos whilst um, I was doing and stuff like that. But there was quite a, it, the whole thing was very relaxed um and there was like obviously two lots of stuff going on so there was demos from us and then there'd be nothing from us whilst nick was doing demos and, and stuff like that um but because uh there was obviously also a load of food and cooking going on so if i wasn't teaching and wasn't uh comparing i was rather than doing what everyone else was doing and sneaking off and just like hanging around nick's demos and and hanging around the kitchen uh, hanging around the the fire pit outside doing all that I was just sneaking off into the kitchen, hanging out with Dave, the other cook, and um, and basically just acting like KP for the afternoon. Um, it was so much fun. Like I'd, I'd forgotten how much I miss uh, kitchens um, and working in kitchens, and like just even just doing the fucking pot washing. It was it was just nice to be part of that um, that atmosphere again, and especially because they were like everything was being cooked on uh, on wood fires and that as well. So speaking of, um, last week was the um, bachelor party for yes. for my friend uh, where we went camping, um, and I took the Alex Paul Ironwork uh, fire cooking frying pan, which was a delight to use. Um, but also, it was very much turned into me catering for twenty people <laughs> around a campsite. Um, of course, one of the lads brought down a pizza oven, which is a great shout. Just fold it out yeah and just wood fired you know nice. just knocking out pizzas and then i i had a whole rib of beef um, yeah like 13 14 pound rib yeah. beef nice um just roasted over a wood fire uh and it was great and it was really nice and it was it was sort of like you say just getting me back into that that mode of you know yeah. this is what this was going on and so much so that my mate who's getting married is like, yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, fancy doing that at the wedding? Yes. <laughs> I, was like, oh, I knew yeah. that was coming. So in two weeks, week after next, I'll be doing the same thing in another field on a campsite, <laughs> cooking a big joint. But I think we're going to um, mix it up a bit and get some, maybe I might take the rotisserie down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was all flooding back. And then next week at, at scout camp as well, I'll be cooking for. Yeah. 10 kids and 10 scout leaders in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, proper service with like food trays and really? like a canteen again. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. Three weeks in a row. Yeah. 
It's fucking good fun though, isn't it? And I think it's it's kind of nice when it's a situation like that where there's not quite so much pressure on mm. um on like perfect service where it's you can speak for yourself. <laughs> well, because that was that was the the beautiful thing is uh doing the so like we're all fucking around in the kitchen and let's like, say cooking it on fire and um like getting to pick at the food whilst it's um being cooked and stuff like that. But at the same time, the the meals that went out were all like perfectly laid out like they were, the plates if there was any spillages the plates were cleaned afterwards and uh before they went out and stuff like that um but like and, and little things like putting little edible flowers on and, and shit like that so it all looked fucking like restaurant quality um but yeah it was, it's just so much fucking fun um and then like that obviously inspired me to then come back and be like right well fuck it i'm gonna um I'm going to do a load of cooking and like going to eat really well. But I got back and whilst I was in uh, Sussex, Ben moved out. Um, so I no longer have a housemate, um, which was great. Except, yeah, well, yeah. Um, except uh, Ben also just did, didn't, didn't bother doing any of the washing up before he left. So I came back and the kitchen was just fucking piled high with washing up. And I was like, oh, um, so my, my week has just been manic again. Um, and cause like basically in the morning I use a, a like blender bottle thing and the evenings I use like one plate. So I've just not been doing, I've not touched the washing up until, um, the weekend. And it was so fucking nice. Um, getting just because for the last month, it's just been a fucking shithole in here. Um, and just being able to get the spend, spend the day just, doing washing up and tidying the kitchen and getting things like reset and knowing that if I go away, like if I have a really busy week at work again, the only stuff that's going to be powered up is the stuff that I've like made a mess with. Um, so that was quite nice. But then uh, last night I got in the shower and like, you know, the shower pan, like the actual like floor of the shower, like that's been creaking for a little while because obviously the floor underneath it has been... I've, talked about before like rotted out uh but now it actually just moves like full-on moves to the point where i was like i'm not gonna have a shower here anymore mm -hmm. uh so yeah that was my last shower in my shower um and i'm now gonna have to make full use of my gym membership and all of my friends that live close by um for the next month or two until the uh the new bathroom's done um but that's meant that I've, I've had to start ripping out the shower now to see if i can sort the floor um because i can't get hold of anyone to be able to do the floor um not in the time frame to be able to get the uh floor down before the plumber comes in to do the rest of the bathroom mm -hmm. um so that's something else that i'm gonna be doing evenings and weekends which uh which is, which is just great. pile it on steve yeah. so if you just if you just boil a couple of eggs <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna have a web about and basically see if I can switch the work schedule around a little bit to give me a little bit more uh, evening time um, mm -hmm. so that I can get that sorted. But I was already gonna speak to him about like maybe starting a little bit earlier, but still finishing at the same time, so that I could add a, like basically earn a bit more money to make up for the the loss of uh, of Ben's rent. And now I'm like, yeah, can I do that, but also work less? So. <laughs> Fuck. Um, so yeah, it's going to be fun kind of balancing all that uh, this next couple of weeks. But I think once the floor's ripped up and ripped out, um, putting a new one in shouldn't 
be too bad because I'm going to try and guilt trip my brother into at least offering a little bit of advice seeing as he put the last one in and you know, that's what he does for a living. Um, so I might just see if I can like borrow a few of his tools and stuff like that because I don't mm -hmm. have any woodworking tools. I've got like a, a panel saw and a claw hammer and that's it. So yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that was, that's, that's that. That was fun. Um, I've, I've done a load of other shit as well. I just don't remember what any of it is because mm -hmm. it's, it's been a while. Um, uh, was the Oh yeah. We, and we, we finished off the, uh, the 150 axes for Uni. Um, we finished off the last of those, uh, this week. Um, and they went out cause Joe is away, uh, for two weeks now. Um, also Joe got a puppy. It's called Otto and it's a Spaniel and it's gorgeous and it's, um, but yeah, so he's he's got two weeks off uh, and he's like off around the country. So the axes all came back and normally it's Joe that does all of the like the finishing to the axes. And I was just like, Steve, you don't have to do this, don't you? I was like, well, I've, I've done it once to, to mine. It's like, yeah, can you just do it to these 50? I was like, sure, Al, that's fine. Uh, so I had like a brief like refresher on what I needed to do with that um, and finished all them up. Um, and then did the same with the uh we've got uh i don't know if you guys have seen before that the textured plates that we do mm -hmm. um i was like yeah can you uh can you make 40 of them tomorrow oh. no no <laughs> no i can't um but yeah so basically because joe's gone i've now kind of like had to step into doing all the the extra stuff that joe normally does um which is it's great but it's also a lot of like, fuck, I haven't done this for two years. What am I doing? Um, and then Richard, the young lad uh, that's working for us, has um, he's taking up more of the, the pan stuff. He's actually make, started making pans for production now, which is fucking awesome. Um, and in like two, three weeks, uh, we should have done the last of the uh, classes in the current workshop. So once that's done, we can rip out the second forge, like the second coal forge. Mm -hmm. and move everything around so that we've got two pan production um stations um as well as like a pan cooking area so that'd be ace because that means that then me and richard can go in and, and work on stuff together but um but yeah i was kind of hoping that i was going to get a little bit of downtime uh in the next couple of weeks um but we've uh we've we've just had all of the wholesale orders in for christmas and <laughs> look at, looking at them like, oh oh so I'll, I'll be working saturdays then will i mm -hmm. um but it's it's fucking ace because it means that uh, if we can keep up with all of that, plus do the um, uh, like get get enough stock made for the shop, then it will set us in a really fucking good position for for next year and for the kind of expansion to come. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit hectic, but it's gonna be fucking great, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm quite quite excited about being able to kind of look around at the end of a week's work and see just a stack of shit that's been made um mm -hmm. as well as like we've 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 got a new pan design being made at the moment which uh that's i'm not sure how that's gonna fit into production uh because it doesn't actually fit in the oven um well it will <laughs> but like we can cook like one or two at a time rather than the 50 we're doing at the moment um yeah that's gonna be interesting and uh and yeah, just a load of other like little things like this. And it's it's been quite nice because I've been kind of like going off with Al and talking to him about like business strategy sort of stuff in like, 
well, how can we deal with the wholesalers where you know we we want to keep the wholesalers and we want to keep doing that, but we also want to drive traffic to the shop because obviously you make more money through the shop than you do through the wholesale and and, and all of this. So it's been quite fun, kind of like getting into that side of the business um, and coming up with strategies for that. But yeah, it, it's basically equated to we just need to make shitloads more of everything all of the time, <laughs> which. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, that's that's been my couple of weeks. Uh, I guess we should just go into the topic. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even gonna try and segue into that. Uh, <laughs> Brett, do you want to talk about it? Because it was your idea, um, so you can probably explain it a little bit better and give us a start. Yeah, sure. I can give you a nice tee up. So, with this project. Um, amidst the rest of the I've never done this befores in my past. And overall with the the cabin, it's I seem to be running into a lot of these first times, but also they're not so they're not so intangible that they don't make sense or I have a fear of failing. Hmm. Specifically with this sink symbol thing, um, this was a material I'd never really worked with before. I may have squished a little bit of bronze in the past under like a power hammer or a press but this was kind of sheet metal banging like al was doing on the um the armor and this work hardening and then how often i have to anneal it it was also a relatively large piece of material being that it was 20 inches wide mm. and just not having a lot of the typical tooling if you're going to get into things like making vessels or raising and dishing. And although I had never done it before, the concept made sense. And also the, the theory behind how I was going to complete the project made sense. The fear the entire time was this, I'm going to tear the material or I'm going to crack it. I'm going to strike yeah. it too many times and I'm going to end up ruining this piece that I've spent, you know, a few hours really banging into. But how often is it that we as like a maker community or anybody that's um, trying something for the first time as far as making things or using new materials, I wouldn't say that I achieved 100% accurate to what I saw in my head, but I, I'd go 80% that I, I got like 80% of the way that I wanted to go. And it's really just a question of, Steve, you had warned me a little bit that like too much striking on one side or, or mm. doing things kind of out of order, you'd leave, you'd be left with this little bit of a trapezoidal or kind of yeah. off, off circle. And I have that, right? There's, there's a little bit of kind of waviness to the exterior edge. Everything feels really nice. It's just that instead of having that nice clean edge on the top and having this nice round circle, it's, it's not exactly that. Mm. Now it adds a little bit to the character, you know, it's fucking handmade. I'll deal with it. But I don't know that I can be upset with myself in any capacity for not achieving the 100% what's in my head. This is going to work. Yeah. Because it was the first time. And I think considering like what I started with, what I ended with, I should be very happy. And I should, I should be, you know, well chuffed knowing that I did the process well enough to end up with a product that I actually am going to use in my yeah. house. It's going to be on my sink cabinet and be used. Hmm. And uh, yeah, like no, the, the, the first time thing and kind of getting 80% of the way there. And I totally feel you about the waviness and like, you, you just get to the point where you're like, 
it's 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 doing what I want it to do. Um, <laughs> but it just got me thinking. I can't remember who I spoke to recently. It might have been um, when Carol was over. We went to visit the um, just like a ceramicist mm. up in the Dales. Mm-hmm. And I think he was talking about moving clay around. You know, very similar to metal. And just yeah. you getting the thickness right and making sure you're moving the material and stuff. Um, but I'm just thinking about that that first time you do something, you you probably learn the most the first time mm-hmm. than you do the next thousand times mm-hmm. yeah. that you do it. And it might not be the most important things you learn. And you like Steve, you might learn the expert technique the hundredth time you do something. Yeah. When the, when the penny finally drops. But the 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 volume of stuff that you learn on that first go, like that's where I've pushed it too hard. That's where it's going to crack. Yeah. That's where I've stretched it. That's where it's too cold. You know, that's where it's really tough to hit. So I need to heat it yeah. again. Um, so yeah, just that, that, the, 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 the learning to like time ratio of that first one yeah. I think is, is, is really beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at Steve because he had his hand up, but um even within the video, like I did a much kind of softer approach and just quiet and atmospheric because it was me experimenting and trying to figure this stuff out for the first time within the video. I have the text on screen. That's like, there was a moment where I think the annealing went a little bit better because I, I, I don't think I went quite hot enough the first couple of times. Mm. And then I used this, I'll call it a raising stake, but it really wasn't. It was just a, the end of a tool. Um, and I started to get more confident because I, it's like something about the material started to make sense suddenly where it was, oh, I hit it there. This happens. It'll create this huge kind of pinch mm. because it's moving the material out. But I'm I'm just turning it instead of chasing that the entire time, not chasing in mm. the literal hammer yeah. swinging chasing. But I would see these kind of bulges or these these sink ins happening from the hammer blows and just be like, well, how the hell do I get that out of there? You know? And it was just these hours and hours of repetition where things started to make more sense. And then there was more confidence in it. And then all the swings started to get more confident and harder. And I was getting Mm. more movement out of them. And, you know, it's like, okay, next time I do it, I won't learn all of those things like you're saying, but I'll have such a better understanding that the nuance and the master level stuff that after a thousand times I may be, you know, catching up to. I know that any time in the future that I'm working on this is going to be like, oh, it's not that first time scarediness anymore. I get to actually yeah. get over that hill, and I, it's so beneficial. Go on. Steve. I mean, like it's Al saying that about the um, that first couple of times is where you learn everything. That's why, like in the classes now, we don't. I don't even bother um, asking people to to try and forge a nail. It's literally just get some metal hot, hit it. Um, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, like the, the, the things that I generally say is I want you to, um, hit a piece of steel until it's cold and see the difference between like how quickly it moves when it's hot and how quickly it moves when it's cold. I want you to burn a bit of steel so that you know what, what you're looking for, you know, how quickly it can happen. I want you to hit a piece of steel really nice and softly and just kind of form it rather than forge it. So you're bending it around something or you're doing whatever. And I want you to swat it as hard as you can, because I want you to see that you don't have to be scared of hitting it. Like if you, as long as you hit the actual workpiece rather than the anvil, like if you hit it really hard, it's not going to bounce back and hit you. It's it's just going to actually forge. Um, and like a lot of, for or for a lot of people, like that initial um, 
uh, like pro well, those those initial processes are what really holds them back, and it's that um, that that kind of fear of the unknown. Um, whereas like fucking about and like purposefully making mistakes or purposefully going beyond the limits of uh, either yourself or the material um, in those first uh, like couple of sessions, that's what can really help um, like speed up that learning process because it, it gets you over that fear. It, 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 it means you know when that, um, uh, where, where those um, limits are. Um, so you know that like, all right, I can go up to this point, but no more or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, Steve, you might have a, a more educated opinion on this since you teach classes more often. But Al, I can only assume that working in the office, you probably have to have these discussions with either new hires or junior designers or anybody that's new. But how do you how do you kind of encourage somebody in a good way without putting too much pressure on the that fear of getting started right how do you make those first few steps for somebody that's like it is very typical for us to all hold back a little bit because we don't want to either be unsafe or ruin the material you know maybe there's costs uh added into it and you don't want to spend the time to do something to fail what do you guys tend to do to get somebody over that initial hurdle i mean firstly i tell them that hire is a verb um and then I move on to basically what you just said, which is my default kind of opening speech to any new starter, especially a, a junior, is like, your job is to fuck up. Like, your job is to go into a room, not be afraid of saying something stupid, yeah, doing something that will be laughed at, doing something that will be um, dismissed, or, you know, it's not a test. Hmm. Like, you're, you're, not, you're not on trial. It's not... Um, it's not this kind of dog eat dog environment because the the moment you instill that into somebody, they're afraid, yeah, and they don't want to mess up, and they, they play it safe. and And all my clients play it safe because they all work for huge corporations where there's loads of money on the line, and their job is on the line, um, and no one's willing to take any risks. Yeah, and the problem with that is that there's no innovation. So unless you're unless you're willing to just do something for the first time and not be afraid no one's ever going to change no one's ever going to do anything different you're never going to get you're never going to get um surprised or delighted by anything mm -hmm. um it's going to be the expect it might be beautiful it might be crafted it might be perfect it might be the best executed thing you've ever seen but it's nothing new yeah and so i would take everything that you say brett and 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 instill that in them and go this is what I, it, it's i've i generally tell people it is their job to 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 mess up yeah, and not be afraid, not be ashamed to do it, not be afraid to not be embarrassed, because mm -hmm. otherwise we're just we're just all it's an echo chamber of just yeah, all teaching each other the same thing over and over again. I mean, I I I think again I've I've talked about a little bit about this on the show before. Like when I was when I was in IT, the whole um, my my entire job in IT, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, my entire job was being the person that asked the dumb questions um, to to not be afraid to go. I, I don't understand what the fuck you're talking about, and Steve's I don't understand Riker. why. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, like to to say, like I don't understand why you would do it like this. Like, explain this to me in a way that makes sense. Because if you can't do that, then you don't know why you're doing it. You're just doing it because you think you should. Um, and I think like that there's there's this whole thing as well about um, like I I can't remember any of the 
numerous ways in which it's put but if you just do the same as everyone else then you're never going to stand out and if you if you fuck up you, yes you're going to stand out and people are afraid of of standing out because they fucked up but that's that's not necessarily a bad thing it's it's showing that you're willing to try you're willing to experiment mm -hmm. you're willing to do things a bit differently there was um earlier on when i was watching uh i had youtube kind of playing in the background and it was just auto playing through random shit and mm -hmm. one of the things that it um it uh talked about or like one of the videos that came up was about how um why all modern monsters in monster films uh the, the one problem with all modern monsters in mo monster films and it's basically it's the fact that over the vast majority of of current um uh monster films all the monsters are being made by the same small group of people in one or two or three like vxf houses and they're all looking at each other's work for inspiration and you can kind of like if you look at them it's like they've all got this feature they've all got this feature they've all mm. got this feature they they all do this all of all of them have multiple jaws that open in this way and all of them <laughs> do this like and like and they said like if you look at any one of those in isolation then yeah they're great but if you stand them all next to each other none of them stand out against one another um, like if you have them all at exactly the same size, put them all next to each other, they, they all look much of a muchness. They, you know, they look like different breeds of the same dog sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I think it, it's quite nice, like having that, or it, it's quite important being able to kind of experiment. And I think a lot of that comes with naivety. Like I've, I've said many a time, like some of the best, um, suggestions that we've had for, um, the new and innovative things have come from students that have been on classes that have just fucked around and they've done something because they want to see how it works or mm -hmm. they, they want to play with this in this way rather than going i have a structured view of how i must do things i cannot deviate from this view because mm -hmm. they don't have that they've just gone well fuck it i'm going to try this thing and it's it's sometimes it, it's fucking awful but sometimes it creates something that you never would have got to if you'd been following those rules there was a quote about seeing innovation as an opportunity and not a threat or like seeing it as change, you know, or, or an opportunity. But this idea that if, if you're, if you're looking at the products that you make or the products that we all love and or hate and why this sense of standing out or, or being innovative and creating something new is is what like pushes me away from wanting to get into tool making full time or like Steve the amount of times that I've commented to you whether it's here just randomly messaging about you know oh I don't really make want to get into making knives or I, I I don't know about making hammers or tools or whatever I don't think I have any new thing to offer other than stylistic or aesthetically and even then like I don't know that I've got a whole lot to add to to the amount of tool makers and stuff that I know that I really, really respect, right? I was having a chat with Steve Pellegrino the other day, and he made a little bit of a joke because we're talking about Makers Camp and, and what could possibly be happening there. And he was going to be involved and just do like knife sharpening or, or some kind of finishing techniques. And he goes, yeah, but Mareko's gonna be there. So <laughs> like, what am I yeah. doing? And even at the the Andrew Schultz show, we had another little random conversation with one of his um, one of his buddies who opens for him, Mark. And he 
we started talking about knives and knife making and he's just like oh you know random question x that everybody always asks about knife making and Mareko came up again because it's like yeah he's there are so many people in the knife making world specifically that make Damascus that have figured out how to make this pattern welded steel and put all kinds of swirly boops and, and beautiful patterns in the sides of these knives. But for some reason you look at Mareko stuff and you go, yeah, but it's, you're not on that level. Like there's an understanding. There's a, there's a handling of the material. There's, there's the execution or the process, the finishing. How are you able to actually push out above that? Not using Mareko as, the prime example of like, what did he do to separate himself? But if we're all looking at, uh, Al, you like to make jokes at, about Apple products and how garbage they are. It's it's not as much them creating products as a company. There was something innovative about smartphones and it separated them from n the Nokias and stuff that we had been dealing with. Steve, making vessels- Wait, hang, hang on, hang on. The, separated us out from the, the what? The Nokias? Yeah. Nokia's. Nokia's. Nokia. 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 <laughs> Thanks for latching on to that one, Steve. If you're if you're doing Sorry. If you're doing vessels and bowls, you know, we're all a bit biased that your coffee scoops are as beautiful as they are. Mm. But there's people out there. I, I've seen plenty of people on the oh. grams or on social medias yeah. that make forged, especially even copper and steel, you know, joined together. But as far as I'm concerned. There's a different level of handling or finishing that separates you guys, separates the forge's work from what else yeah. is out there. I mean, yeah, and the, there are people that um, that I would put above us as well. Um, quite a lot of people that I put above us, but but like the the whole copper and stainless thing has has uh, in the last couple of years has really taken off. Like, there's a lot of people that are now doing it. Um, I see a lot of people making um, very similar sort of styled uh, mm. scoops and things like that. Um, some people that have literally just straight off ripped off the design. Um, but it, the idea of having copper and steel is not is not a particularly original one. It's not something that we came up with. Like even the, like the first coffee scoop that, uh, that we made in the forge was the one that I made for the treasure trade like mm -hmm. four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so it's, it's not like we've uh, we've, come up with this wholly original idea and and that's what everyone is is copying it's just the fact that you know we we're quite well known for that because it's a popular product of ours but like mm -hmm. um talking about uh someone like uh Mareko, like the reason that he is so well known and well respected is not just because he's um he's innovative beautiful. with <laughs> he is beautiful <laughs> uh but not just because he's innovative with his designs and with the the damascus that he's doing it's because he he understands the the item that he's producing. He understands the purpose of it. Um, like, you know, he if he's going to make a knife, he's going to make a knife that first and foremost functions as it should. He understands the, the different types of grinds. He understands how thick a knife should be, how thin a knife should be, how long it should be. He's he's going to be able to turn around to the the person that's ordering the knife and say, actually, I know you want a twelve inch long, six mil thick cleaver for yeah for doing whatever but actually for what you're trying to do i think you should have it at this length with this thickness and maybe have the handle shaped like this because it's going to feel more comfortable when you're using it and actually when you're using it you want the heel to be here rather than here because of this whereas um 
someone that doesn't necessarily have that understanding is just going to go, I'm just going to squish a load of metal together and make it look pretty and not give a fuck about the functionality of it. Um, and that's, I think that's, that's kind of where the separation begins, but also you then go, you know, you go above and beyond that because there's, there are plenty of people out there that understand, um, and I'm going to stick with knives cause it's an easy analogy, but like, there are plenty of people out there that understand, um, like the the use of knives um and how they're used and their purpose and what's good and what's bad and and, and all of that but you know it, it's very easy for for someone to to do a bit of studying um figure out those kind of properties figure out what's good what's bad um like get to know the the general conventions um and make a perfectly good a really a high quality knife um by hand but what sets people like Morocco apart is the fact that they can take that and they can not just put their own twist on it, but also expand on it. Also go, well, actually, I'm not only am I going to do this at a, a quality level above that that anybody else is going to be able to produce, but I'm also going to add these little extra touches in mm-hmm. that that just make it go above and beyond. And yeah, that, that's not necessarily even about the the product itself. It's about the the customer service it's about the aftercare it's about the even down to the fucking packaging like like we had a, a big conversation in the workshop the other day about the fact that our um you know we're going to get some branded boxes so that we're not just putting a sticker on the outside just because it's going to look that much better um and you know when we the barbecue tool rolls um we've got a very specific way of how we fold them um before we send them out to the customer because we we know that packaging is important yeah and, and when they first open it it should be like opening the best christmas present ever they you know you should absolutely have to unroll it and go holy fuck this looks amazing yes. how yes. they roll it after that doesn't matter it's just for that initial um unboxing it needs to be incredibly special because it all adds into the the story of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think building on that as well i think usage is really important and um, mm. i think when it comes to tools especially um sticking with knives i i went home at the weekend um to mum and dad's just to pick up a load of old star wars stuff because it's all it's all back at theirs yeah um and while i was there i got my basically my very first knife that i bought nice and i remember as a kid buying that knife but not knowing anything about knives and every time i'd go to use it I'd get frustrated and I'd default to like my dad's old knife or like my granddad's Gurkha knife. Yeah. Um, not knowing why, you know, it, it wasn't like a choice thing. I was just like subconsciously I'd go, I'd put my knife down and go and get that knife. And now I know, because when I look at my knife now, it's like the like the grind profile is awful. It's like too thick for what it's meant to be. You know, yeah. it's probably okay for splitting tiny, tiny logs. Um, <laughs> other than that, it's a it's not a very well-designed bush knife yeah but when i bought it i was obviously just looking at the shape of the knife like you say like i i, I was a kid being subjective not understanding the the, the features of a knife yeah yeah, yeah. Just looking at the, the profile and the silhouette and the handle and the case mm. and thinking oh yeah that's the knife i want yeah um and now i know it's a you know a very specific knife for a very specific job uh, but at the time i had no idea and, and, and until i used it and realized it wasn't what i wanted mm. um that 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 first time owning something and i get that a lot of time with people with tools especially like with the scouts getting them to use tools yeah it's like they're terrified of it until they use it yeah or they don't know how to hold it until they use it and it's like oh 
see how easy it was when you changed your grip see how yeah. you know how much lighter it was when you held it in the right place how much easier it was when you you know and and that that first usage of a tool when suddenly the, all the fear goes away and all the the lack of understanding like how daunting something can use that you've never used before like <laughs> fucking, what is this even for and yeah you use it and you go oh that's why that's why that bit's there yeah you know I, I was just gonna say like i mean like i think even like even beyond that like it's the the tool itself can inform the the usage somewhat because mm. i i know uh with cutting like cutting vegetables again going back to knives like before i had uh one of feather's knives i never understood the pinch grip i never understood grabbing it in front of the handle and actually holding the blade and mm. but since owning that k-tip i've i default to that every time i pick up that knife i i use pinch grip um just because and it, it wasn't even a conscious thing it was just that was how it was most comfortable that's how it it, it felt the best um and again that was down to to the tool itself but i was uh i was actually going to ask um you guys on this a bit because i like to go back to the original um point that brett was making about like um improving on something after you like doing it for the first time like again we've talked quite a lot about the fact that my my job is repetition like we like the whole point of of what we do is to not just make something once but to to make it repeatably and 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 make it consistently um and to find ways around doing that and obviously you guys tend to be kind of a bit more you know you you go and you make one thing you figure out the things and you and you learn your lessons you go right okay i i can do that now so i'm gonna like i'm i'm not gonna do that again unless i need to for, for another project um so like i i know um the the axes for example like i'm i'm on axe number i've just done axe number eight uh so i've got nine and ten coming up soon one of them is going to be for joe um which is incredibly daunting because joe's a fucking brilliant axe maker but we basically we were at hunter gatherer and he held up his wilderness axe and my land rover axe and like had them crossed like that I went, oh, Steve, can I have this so that I can I can put them above the fireplace, cross like that? And I was like, jokingly, I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll make you one if you make me make me a wilderness one. And he went, yeah, right. It's like, oh fuck, uh, <laughs> shit. Now I've got to make an axe for Joe, um, and I've got to make um, another axe for another friend um, who's again doing doing an exchange. Um, and if if I'd even thought about doing that before the last axe. I I just would have said no. I I sorry. You're you're too good at what you do for me to give you one of these because I don't think they're good enough yet. Um whereas now I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like actually these are starting to like, I'm starting to be a bit more happy with how these are coming out. Like I always said that I want to get to at least number 10 before I even think about um doing any to sell. Mm -hmm. And um and so yeah, it's been it's been quite nice kind of having that um that moment where it was like oh shit yeah actually i, I don't feel uncomfortable like completely uncomfortable um exchanging this with with people that i respect um it, i'm still nervous as hell but i'm actually willing to do it um so i was going to like kind of say for you guys like do you not um do you not worry when you're you're doing something for the first time and you're doing it for whether it's for a project for yourself or whether you're doing it for someone else do you not worry about not knowing how to or not actually not knowing how to do it but like if you're doing a project for the first time and you're experimenting and you're just going for it 
Like, how how does that not make you go, fuck, I'm going to do a few of these first to make sure I'm going to do them right, then I'm going to give you the thing. Like, <laughs> is that just not feature or what? They pretty much force that upon you or they, they really try to impart that on you, at least in the art schooling that I went through. If you want to achieve a goal and not be a, a commercial artist or like a desk um, designer, you know, like where you're sitting in front of a computer, you're part of a team, whatever. If, if the idea is that you want to be able to go out and separate yourself, they will never let you do a mediocre project without either like totally knocking you down on your grades or just really pushing you to go further outside. So you get it so beaten into you that you have to come up with a new approach or or something they've never seen before or don't be scared about using a tree branch to draw with rather than a pencil because who knows what you'll come up with if they didn't do that to me i don't think i would be near as keen on on learning new things like i think all three of us are kind of sponges to try new things as long as there's not much of a of a kickback from it but I think there is a certain kind of personality that can latch on to this idea of we've never done anything like this before. Don't be afraid or don't be intimidated. Doesn't matter how large, how small, how complex. I'm not sure. I think there's only so much of the schooling that can really do that for me, but it definitely helped. Steve just looks so angry and confused right now. Like, answer the question, Brad. Just answer the question. <laughs> uh, yes, Steve. Okay, cool. Yeah. Thanks, mate. No, um, but yeah, I'm building on what Bear's saying, like yeah. the, the 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 dauntingness of that and the pressure of it being the first time you're doing something. Mm. That's the appeal. Like that's the point. Yeah. Like climbing the tree, climbing the big tree in the in the in the forest. It's like you you want to do it because you've not done it before. If you'd done it, it wouldn't be as appealing, and it wouldn't be as much of a challenge. It wouldn't be as exciting. You wouldn't learn as much. Um, you wouldn't impress, you mm. know, your friends because it wasn't the first time. And I think yeah. that's that. That is the appeal. That that's why I I don't shy away from it. Yeah. Um, am I going to embarrass myself along the way? Absolutely. Might I not even make it to the top of the tree? Of course. Um, but that's not the point. It's it's the attempt of doing it. Yeah. Um, I think the att the attempt and the um the intent, I think, is the point. You know, the, the the completion of it is not necessarily what matters. Um, yeah. Like the 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 fifteen foot table, hmm. ridiculous endeavor. Should never have taken <laughs> yeah. it on. Yeah. He should never have asked me to do it, but I did it. Um. And a year later, you know, turns out the 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 finish wasn't right for the situation. Hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna relook at how to do it. The table's fine. Yeah. You know, it's rock solid, hasn't moved an inch, all perfect, breathing, you know, expanding mm. all the joints and stuff. So the woodworking side of it, I managed to succeed. The finish, you know, even following to the letter, you know, following Spags's recommendations <laughs> of how to treat wood outside, yeah, didn't do what I wanted to do. So um, learned a lot, but the, the, the fear of doing that was insignificant compared to what i learned what i got out of it what they got out of it yeah you know and and the the, the compound kind of everything together massively outweighs that but what if i fuck up mm. yeah and, and i think i think the 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 fuck ups are more valuable than uh i i achieved it 
Yeah. I mean, I, I guess like just to look back at that, like I, I love the way that you've both kind of talked about the, the fact that it's, it's, it's the process and not the, the end product that, um, that you enjoy it. And, and, that, and, and I fully get that. Like if I'm, if I'm doing something as a, um, as a learning experiment, as, as a bit of fun, as a, as a hobby, mm. then yeah, I, I love, uh, going through the process of, of learning it. Um, but I think like, yeah, if I'm, if I'm making something for someone else, I get, I get very caught up in the, the end product over but the, the, but, the, the, but they're not buying the end product from you, Steve, they're buying the process. People are buying things from the forge because of the process. They're not buying the end thing. They yeah. want to know. Yeah, yes, they want it to be nice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not as anally retentive as Alex is. They're not as perfectionist as Alex is. No, nobody is. No, but so that's what I mean. Then they, they they wouldn't care if there's a blemish on it. Only Alex. Yeah. Would. But they're buying the the undulations and the organicness mm. and the the fact that you've done it and you 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 cut yourself and you you sprayed scale in under your glove and burnt yourself that that's what they're buying yeah that's the romance steve i i don't know how it works because i've never been in a situation where you're reproducing something that takes that much manual labor and that much of a team effort and all of this right being totally solo on a lot of these the amount of things i learn or take mental note of is I think a huge part of getting over that fear, even if I fail on the project, if I see a curve or a line that I like, or a, a material that I completely bodged, but I love how it moved, or I love mm -hmm. how it looked when I polished it or something that gets carried into that just gets locked away, like in a part of my brain where all of these experiences of my life have come into uh, use later on. So you guys are are just churning out these like beautiful pieces with a very high degree of quality control put at the end of them because they need to go somewhere and function and perform. Because I don't have that stress helps, right? It helps the fear. But it also means that any project I've worked on, I could probably tell you one thing that I took away from it, even if I don't consider it a win. Mm. I can tell you something that I've retained from that project and gone, oh, yeah, I've used that loads since then. Yeah. So it's yeah. all learning experience and the sponge aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love it, and I think like like I say, for me, it's it's just a it's a weird thing because I don't I don't think there's a single uh, there's a single thing that I've I've made for, for anyone where I've not and like even stuff where uh, you know I've made several of them before and and this is like the twentieth time I've made it and I've sent it out to someone like I don't think there's ever been a time where I've sent it out without also sending an apology being like i'm really sorry that that thing isn't quite right and that this is uh, oh. uh and like i mean i know we always talk about like being our own worst critics and all that but, but yeah like the idea the idea of doing something for the very first time for someone else i just find absolutely like, i don't find it terrifying in an exciting way i just find it terrifying because i know that i'm gonna fuck it up and i'm gonna want to start over and do it properly and nine out of ten if it is something that i'm doing for the first time i will kind of get halfway through it and go you know what i fucked this i'm gonna start again because you deserve better than this i so appreciate that though because there's, there's clearly almost two sides of the fence you know where it's mm. this appreciation for repetition and being able to like the first knife i make or the first hammer i make is as good as number 200 like there's a reason 
those people hold such a weight. Like, Steve, you'll never let anything pass through your hands without quality checking it, whether it's you making it on your own for somebody else, apologies mm. or otherwise. Your job is to make sure that every single one is going to be up to snuff. Yeah. What I do doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to anybody else, really, at the end of the day. Somebody could come over and look at this thing and go, wow, it really doesn't work that well. <laughs> and they'd be totally justified in saying so, as long as they have good reasoning behind it. For me, it works. And yeah. I'm happy with what was achieved in the process. The hammers and tools that I've made in the past, like the knife I made for Al. I wanted to try pattern welding. Yeah. It's the thickest, most ridiculous knife that is really just good for chopping through tendons Probably. more than anything. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, so many aspects of that knife were like, I just want to learn if I yeah. can form, if I can grind, if I can do a few of these things. I would totally change a thousand parts about how I would approach <laughs> that now with like the knowledge that I've got. But it's so important for me to learn those things, but it's not to get better at knife making or it's not mm. to get better at making hammers in the future. It's also part of the reason I don't want to get into those things. I know I mentioned it really early in this episode, but I think the challenges that I've had to overcome while not being master level or precision based or like perfect tempering or heat treating, I really just want to know what it takes to produce that. Mm more to have an appreciation for the people that I think do it well, because it's so opinionated, right? I can, I can tell you 50 knife makers off the top of my head, but I can tell you three that I really like. Yeah. And I want to know why I feel that way. You yeah. guys, I'm biased. I'm biased with like everything you produce out of the forge. I'm able to look at and just go, yeah, but I know those guys I've gotten to be in their forge Alex has kicked my feet around to help me be better at forging. Al or Steve, you were one of the first people that ever helped me or gave me advice when I was making that stupid bearded axe a few years ago, doing it completely wrong. Yeah. And I have, I have a massive appreciation for you guys who were able to produce things on a level like that with quality control being second to none, still being handmade still having a story behind it. That's more stressful. Like you get, <laughs> you get stressful and apologetic for sending something out on your own. I stress out about somebody asking me for more than one of a thing. Like, <laughs> nope. Cause they're yeah. not going to look alike. I, I really like, um, I, I really like the way that you put that actually the, the fact that it's, it's, it's to inform your appreciation for the other people that are doing that. So, that's a really fucking good way of putting it. Um, and that that to me makes so much more sense than anything you've ever said before. Like that, that's really kind of gone, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, I totally get what you mean. Because it's the same thing, like I've I've tried doing pottery before and by Christ, I'm not good at that. But it, it's informed my, my appreciation for other people that do it. The same with the woodwork stuff. Like I, I just don't have the patience. Um, to keep my tools sharp enough to be good at woodwork and uh and yeah because of that when i see someone that produces something that's fucking gorgeous and like really well cut it that that level of, pre of appreciation is so much higher because i've got that experience so yeah that is a fucking spiffing way of putting it
people that we think that are spiffing. Uh, in which case, Al, have you got an order? Yeah, it's za. Za. Ah, wait. Za. 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 Is that S A B? Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. Right. Okay. Uh, in which case, Brett, you are first. Yeah. So I know I've spiffed a few people in the past that are like model makers, crafters, people that are very good about making small things that you can put on the wall or in your house. I think I watched a video of his years ago. He makes kind of junk craft art where he just goes to thrift stores and will buy odds and ends of plastics and, and different materials just for usage in the future. And the channel name is Studson Studio. And he recently did a uh, Howl's Moving Castle. Like he actually did Howl's Ooh. Castle, but it's all out of reused materials. And the way that he approaches his videos, and this is why I can recall having seen one a while back, he's got this awesome way of narrating and and makes all these jokes and references and does little dumb things on camera that'll keep you entertained but really he's doing an amazing job of explaining like this is a lid from a thing that i can't remember but it's a lid and i kept it for a reason and this is the reason and then boop and then puts it on and it's the perfect thing to make you know one of the valves on the side of mm -hmm. uh, Hal's castle this project looks ridiculous this one specifically yeah. looks so absurd and it's so whimsical and there's all these different finishing techniques. And Steve, based on what I talked about just a minute ago, this is the kind of stuff that I look at and go, I'll probably never create something like this, but I will take away his oil-based paint and mineral spirits mix Yeah, as a, like a finishing wash or an aging wash. That's... That's something that I know Adam Savage has talked about, uh, you know, finishes and, and different aging techniques, but small little pieces like that where you just go, ooh, I watched a 20 minute long video. I enjoyed it, but there was that one thing that I'm going to try and lock away and just remember that yeah. the, these metallic paints that he used, he actually, you know, he puts the link up there or shows him a little bit on camera. It's like, ooh, okay. That bronze and copper that he used to paint the wings on that is amazing and i've never seen one that pops that much yeah i'm sure they're a little bit expensive for the volume that you get but things in the future where i'm going to have to make allowances for uh not being able to make a shower head because i i just don't have the capacity to machine something like that what are some different techniques that maybe i could make it look a little bit nicer a little bit more unique you know i can buy a pre-bought one i can do some of these finishing techniques that come from the crafting world and really come up with something that looks very nice inside the space that I've created. Mm -hmm. So Studson Studio, super fun if you're into what I would call very high level craft and DIY artsy stuff. Oh my God, it just Chris, looks, it looks so good. It, it's almost like, um, like you've you definitely spiffed uh, people that produce similar sort of stuff. It's, but, Sorry, I'm getting I'm I'm a bit lost for words because he's done a Mario Kart pod racer that what if Toad drove a pod racer and it's fucking and it's so glorious. Good. It's so good. But yeah, I because I like again, I know we've talked about this a few times before when you've fifth other uh, people that make models like this, but like 
this sort of shit is like when I was growing up, this is why I wanted to play Warhammer and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Air, had airfix models and stuff like that, just to create these these little mini worlds like this. Like I fucking love this sort of stuff. Um, but I I never had the time, space, or money to be able to do it when I was a kid. And now my hands shake so much that I can't actually do yeah. like delicate things like this. Yeah. But I fucking love it. I think it's incredible. Um, I just I would love to see, or I would love to hear from some of the people go in the Facebook room, talk about it, whatever. Yeah. But there are techniques that people like um, miniature maker. You know, Sophie. Sophie knows tons of techniques like this and lots of materials that look like this thing when you need to make a small version of it. You know, there are yeah. people like her that. Oh, if you're if you're just wanting to work on a small scale and you need something to recreate the texture of whatever, he's using yeah. rhinestones, these really tiny rhinestones, because you can buy them in bulk like crazy, putting them on with little sheets of plastic, and then once you prime and paint everything, they look like rivets. Of course yeah. they do, because they're all faceted and yeah, it's brilliant. And the idea of being able to buy, like, how do I find? 10,000 little pieces of brass nailing or whatever. Don't do that. Yeah. Pick up some of the techniques from these people and, and see how you can translate them into your work. Anyway, nice. it's a long yeah. spiff. Go on. Good, good shout. Uh, I am next and I am, uh, I'm going to be honest. I, I am, A, Al helped me remember this, but also this is a total A-Al. re-spiff. A, Al. Uh, this is a total re-spiff. And it is uh, the Maker Monster because um, I just put out a video uh, talking about why he's been um, why he's been absent, why he's he's not been doing stuff, why he's going to start doing it again. Um, he uh, he took a little bit of time to go away and, and and think about some stuff, and I don't really want to talk too much about it because I am not going to be able to put it anywhere near as well as he did. Um, so yeah, go go check out his video. It's 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 not particularly long. It's well worth a watch, and it genuinely made me well up a little bit. I fucking mm-hmm. love the guy, um, and I'm so glad to see a that he's back and b that he's he's kind of sorted out why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and yeah, I'm genuinely looking forward to seeing lots more of him at his own pace and as and when he wants to put them out because. Um, yeah. Yeah, the guy's a fucking legend. Um, so yeah, go go check out the Maker Monster. Um, you all know him. Just go give him some love from us. Uh, Al, you are next. Yes. So for anyone that's not from the British Isles, um, <laughs> might not know we we lost a, a British icon this week. Yes. Um, so comedy legend Sean Locke, um, unfortunately lost his lost a battle with cancer. That I'm pretty sure, like me, nobody knew he was fighting, which nope. is. Seems to be the case with uh, with celebrities these days. Um, amazing comedian, and if and if if as I say, it, incredibly English, and you probably would never yeah. come across him unless you you watch <laughs> British television. Yeah. Um. So first and foremost, if you don't know who Sean Locke is, watch his stand up. Um. But what I'd watch, what I'd recommend to watch, was the first thing that I saw him in, and the first thing that I saw Benedict Wong in as well. Um, which is called 15 Stories High, which is a um, a sitcom that he was in on the BBC. And it, it only ran for, it didn't actually run, run for 15 episodes. That would have been very yeah. appropriate. But um, it's like, I think there's 12 episodes in total, two series. Yeah. Uh, and it's 
incredibly irreverent. It's it's kind of like bottom, but a little bit more, sur- but a bit more <laughs> surreal and depressing. Um, and it's just it's fantastic, fantastically dry. Um, and I've genuinely never heard of that. Not a lot and... of people have heard of it. Um, but I think I think it was essentially like his. He obviously was a stand up comedian, but this yeah, was his yeah. first like TV gig. Um, but like it's Benedict Wong's like first role, and then That's he went on awesome. to be in like Sunshine and yeah. the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, <laughs> it's just this, this weird little kid who's his flatmate in, in Fifteen Stories High. So if you've not seen it, watch it. It's great. And if you don't know who Sean Locke is, watch yeah. some YouTube videos of him <laughs> yeah. being utterly inappropriate and <laughs> hilariously funny. I was going to say, yeah, if you if you see him on uh, Eight Out of Ten Cats Does Countdown, that's like just fucking brilliant. But Basically, if you just put Sean Locke into, into YouTube now, there's a load of like compilation mm. um, videos of like his best bits, and yeah, it's fucking brilliant. And, uh, yeah, it's, again, another great one is is the, the the children's classic book, the Tiger the the Tiger yes. into Tea. You see that there's a, a thing book. to get that yeah uh, made. Yeah, um, I really hope that happens. I won't spoil it, but yeah, the, the Tiger who came for a pint. If, you, yeah. if you've not had a chance to look at that book, it's uh, amazing. <laughs> It has to be made. It has to be made. Yeah, I really hope that happens. I would definitely buy a copy if it's if it is produced. Um, yeah, uh, no, that's a really good chat, man. Um, right, is there any other business? Uh, Al has something, but Al can't remember what that is. He just can't remember. It's yeah. been too long. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, I had some as well, and I don't know what it was. Um, Oh no, I know what it was. Uh, oh. So, um, and this isn't this isn't a, a spiff because the the guy was spiffed very recently. But um, I the other day I put on uh, Grainy Days, uh, who I've talked about before, the the film um, film photographer that does YouTube stuff. Um, he's produced a couple of videos where he's like he's gone to Iceland for three weeks or he's gone to somewhere else for three weeks or whatever. Like he's gone away for a, a holiday and they've been like hour long. Or hour and a half long videos and i put them on uh one evening when i was excuse me um like i've been rushing around it was like right it's it's 10 30 i'm gonna put this on for 20 minutes whilst i like catch up on the last couple of emails and, and messages and stuff like that and then i'm gonna go to bed because i know it's an hour and a half long but i'm gonna get bored of it within five, 10 minutes. So it's fine. I'm, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And ended up sitting there and watching the entire video. Um, <laughs> like the Iceland one, I really fucking enjoyed. Uh, so if you want something that's really like just low effort, like lo-fi TV sort of thing, like slow TV, um, go and check out the Grainy Days um, ones because it's really nice to just put on and just, just mong out to because it's beautiful scenery, beautiful um, photos and like the occasional like really dry bit of humor um and yeah it's just kind of nice to to decompress to um which yeah i think uh, i think we could all do with a little bit more decompression um not in the like spacefaring sense because that would be bad uh yeah that's it so if you want to find us you can find us in all of the usual social media places you can find me at moonshine metalworks you can find brett at skull and spade 13 and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Oh, oh there we go. Uh, if you want to find us as a group, then we are Fools with Tools pretty much everywhere or FWT Podcast. Um, yeah, that's kind of it. So 
until next time, uh, we we love you, and we'll see you later. Goodbye. Yeah,